Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Hey, welcome back to the show. (laughs) Welcome back. Dude, they've been waiting for a week for this show. I like to imagine all of our listeners, the last episode ends, and then they just sit and, and... in contemplative silence for an entire week until a new episode pops up. They sit there like those androids in Westworld with like not moving with their eyes open until the next show starts. Or they're being, they're being animatronic lives. Right. They're being repaired because they were either shot or raped like in Westworld. (laughs) By the way, how fucked up are those vaginas and buttholes on, uh, in Westworld? That's just a nasty ass like horrible like that stink that you get in between your ball sack and your thigh but with cum and like strangers cum in it like i would be like do you guys you know disinfect in between rapings because uh i feel a little weird about it and they're like oh yes we uh we disinfect all the vaginas and assholes here at westworld before every raping to make sure that you leave here with a sound and intact pecker. <laughs> Thanks for joining us at Westworld, where you get we, to kill and rape to your heart's desire. We meticulously find every aid lodged in every hiney. <laughs> yeah, I just assume that they do a good job with that part of it. They look real. The worlds look good. Oh, they're look doing here. a they're doing a good job <clears throat> on the surface. I imagine they're doing a good job behind the scenes. Look here, Professor Whitecoat. I seem to have found an errant aid that you missed in your meticulous you, you search ought to for do the your, aids. You ought to do your Egyptian traveler voice for that. I don't know the Egyptian travelers. <laughs> that definitely was not him. <laughs> I don't know. That's my just general, who just general foreigner. All right, let's voice. let's let's start off with an email. We're going to talk about things we like and don't like. I've got something I want to talk about that I know Bob doesn't like, so that should be real fun. First of all, an email. We we got an email in last week's episode that asked where I was from and what my upbringing is. Let me answer that real quick. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. My upbringing is was music and films and racism and stupidity and poverty. So <laughs> that's the goulash that I come forth from. Uh, Beham, by the way, one of my least favorite cities in the country. I well, mean, it's definitely all, the best city in Alabama. All, all, all apologies to all the people that live in Birmingham because I've everybody I've met from Birmingham I love. I just have always had a bad time when I play in Birmingham. So I don't know if there's a few good apples, and those are the ones that have left Birmingham that I know, or. I've just met the few bad apples in Birmingham. I don't know, but I it's you know it's weird when you travel all over the country because you make your you know you basically rule on 
a city based on like where you were for a few hours I one know. time. Well, and you a can few really years ago. and you can really attach a certain vibe to a city that that may not really be fair, but it's it's your subjective experience, and that's just the vibe of the city for you. I've I've got that also. I mean, your dislike for Birmingham is kind of unreasonable, but I understand that. Yeah, but you're also so entrenched in that Birmingham thing. Like, I don't like I, Birmingham, but but okay, my my dislike okay, of it though is rooted in in reality because I lived there for like you know twenty five years. Well, here's the reality that I think Birmingham is super racist. Uh, people just really like to fucking get bent out of shape about the smallest things for, I don't know why. Um, and just not culturally very open. Uh, like it seems like a very sort of closed, uh, minded. But see, sort this, of this place. is, this is because you've not spent a lot of time in other cities in Alabama because no, no, I'm saying the rest of Alabama is way worse right. than fucking Birmingham. But, uh, Birmingham sucks dicks, so I guess the rest of it sucks many, many more dicks. Okay, well, this first email is from Having Brian. Having said that, I love people from Alabama. Like, I know so many people. There's nobody that I know from Alabama who I don't like. Right. So, uh, again, everybody I know from Alabama does not live in Alabama because they moved the fuck out. I so. only have a few friends that are still there. But, yeah, but most for the most part, people people get out. All right, so I can't wait to go play Alabama again. <laughs> yeah, all of your fans from there just heard that, and they're going to fucking lynch you. Well, ass. the last time I played, there was like twenty people there, so you know it's not my. Uh, I'm beginning not, to see why you might not like Birmingham. Well, it's. I mean, I would say this: the Deep South and the South is not a great. Uh, it's not a great place for me to play because I think part of what I do there's a lot of nuance in what I do. There's a lot of sort of double entendres and stuff. It's very some even though what I do seems very simple, the reason I think that what I do is good is because of how subtle the the word the lyrics and stuff are. And don't I, you, I think Don't you I think have a song it, don't you have a song called I Fucked Your Daughter in the Ass Boy? I do, but I don't play that song anymore. <laughs> uh that's but even even that song, it sounds like some bro bro broham song but really even that sort of like says a lot in that one line the the line is i fucked your daughter in the ass boy so a lot of people might take that listen to it for a second and go oh this is some misogynistic rant that some douchebag wrote but really the premise is you're having dinner with your girlfriend's parents and at the table where you normally are like, hey, hi, Mr. So-and-so. Hi, Mrs. So-and-so. Oh, yes, your your daughter's a lovely daughter, and we've been spending some time together getting to know each other. No, you haven't. You're smoking dope, getting fucked up, and fucking her in the ass. That's what's going on. <laughs> and, of course, you don't talk about that at dinner because that shit would be fucked up. So that's what that song's about, that relationship between you and the father of your girlfriend. It's got nothing to do with misogyny. And it's got nothing to do with uh, with that. It's just that sort of weird relationship that you're pretending to have that's not real. So, again, I think if you play in fucking Birmingham and you play that song, people are like, yeah, man, fuck that bitch in the ass, bitch. I'm like, that's not what it's about. 
dude. The, the thing that I've learned in my travels is that the kind of redneck that you associate with Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and they're there, no doubt. But that guy that you imagine in your mind's eye is literally everywhere. That guy's in Northern California. That guy's definitely in Michigan. That guy's in South Dakota. That guy's in in the rural parts of Illinois. That guy's in upstate New York. For sure. So, one, you know, Mark Twain has that great quote. I'm going to totally butcher it here, but he talks about how the antidote to bigotry is travel. Like, that's the medicine for <clears throat> prejudice. Because when you travel, you see that there are a lot of people in the great big old world that aren't like you. And it's it just sort of tamps down whatever bullshit you were taught about where you come from. Where we come from, we do it this way, and that's the best way. Because I, I was born in <laughs> whatever, Birmingham, and white people are cool. It's like... Okay, whatever. But most no, people, I, most people can't. But most people can't travel. Like you know, like most people die within fifty miles of where they were born. So it's hard for them to. Which I'm not excusing them. Ignorance is inexcusable sometimes, but they just don't have the experience, dude. Like you experience a lot of shit when you do what we do. A lot of weird shit. I found myself in so many strange situations just by proxy of traveling places. You know what I mean? I know, but it's not a coincidence that I ended up in Austin. I didn't end up in Birmingham. I didn't end up in uh, Cleveland. I didn't end up in fucking Cincinnati or any of the other fucking shitty cities in the country. I ended up in a place that's pretty friendly and inclusive and open-minded. And, um, you know, that's that's not a coincidence. It's it's I, I came here and I was like, oh, I like this. I can say and do almost anything I want and people will accept me uh, for who I am. And I don't have to play some weird role um, for them to dig me. And I don't think you find that everywhere. What's interesting about that, because Austin really is a, a special place. Spent a lot of time there. And, but it's weird that it's tucked way down in old Tejas because... Texas is quite different than Austin. Not the major cities, but, you know, Texas is big and full of well, a lot of good old boy bullshit. It's definitely the belly button in the big old beer gut that is Texas. But I love Texas, and I, I love, I think of it as the United States of Texas because it's so different depending on where you go. I mean, if you go east towards Louisiana, it immediately has the swampy Louisiana vibe. If you go north of there um that northeast area where the clan's from and and you just get that real like matthew mcconaughey long view kind of thing and then you go you go uh central texas and you start going north there you start getting like real cowboys like when like people when they think of texas and they think of cowboys that's only in like this like middle of texas sort of middle to northern part of Texas. And, and there are cowboys everywhere. I mean, you go to Fort Worth and there's that's a real cowboy town. But um, the ones that you think of, like, you know, riding horses and, and wearing hats and stuff, that's that's just a, 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 a area of Texas. And then you, you go, go uh, south towards Mexico and, and that has its own flavor. And then you get to the coast and then you get, a, you know, that's like, that's got its own vibe. And But I don't uh, think pan- about, I don't think about like a cowboy on a horse much. I think about the guy that wants to take a gun into the fucking Taco Bell. 
No, well, that's I what mean, I think of got... when I think of Texas. Well, I, I don't take my. I think of people who want to take their guns into church and shit. Well, they do. They, yeah, they because they like carrying their guns around, and and people like their guns in Texas, and um, a lot of people got guns, and uh, I, I'm I'm all about it. I, I think people should have guns. Um, I, I've always felt that way. Um, I just anything that causes. Uh, <clears throat> less people to be on the earth i'm down with whatever that is so i'm Oof. pro pro abortion pro gun uh <laughs> i know that's that's uh not that's a tough that's a small area that not a lot of people tread on but well i mean i i every time every time uh somebody takes a semi-automatic weapon uh like an assault rifle into a school and starts killing kids it really bums me out like uh and, it, and i'm just like ah. Uh, this fucking sucks so bad because if they do, went in there with like a pistol or they went in there with a 22 or a shotgun, um, not as many kids would die. Um, and you know, it's, here's what I hate about the world. I hate the world where people decide it is what it is so that it fits whatever their fucking thing is that they want. And that's the part that sucks. So the NRA is like, no, Having assault rifles doesn't kill more people, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it does. Having assault rifles means more people are going to get killed in these mass shootings. Just say that because that's what's true. But then say, but we want to have our assault rifles. And just because there's some fucked up people in the world going and shooting people doesn't mean that we can't have our assault rifles. That's the real thing. Instead, they make up this bullshit. And that's the whole world right now. Everybody's just making up bullshit so that it it feeds the story that they want to be the narrative, and um, and that's why the world is so crazy right now. Just say what it is, say what the world is, and we'll have a lot less problems. Well, I I think we should pivot away from this, but I do agree. I agree with what you're saying. It's a, but it's a super complicated issue, and I don't think we should spend our some of our time parsing that out because we really don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. All right. Well, I, well, we got we got 16 more minutes. Let's go. But go ahead on the on, <laughs> on, on the gun issue. Please continue. I'm just saying. Look, I'm not saying the what. I'm just saying the the problem is is people do not speak truth on almost any issue because if they do. They realize, oh, this is true and this is true, but they also contradict each other. And that's the problem. I think people are like really afraid to be wrong or afraid to have a perception of wrongness instead of, I think people have have moved away from saying, here's what I think, but I don't know. I'm open to evidence. I'm open to changing my mind. Sure. Now it's just like, my team has to win. It's very tribal. You know, like, um, you know, my, I have some family that are converting to Catholicism as strange as that is in 2018. And I was thinking about why why would they do that? And one of the things I think is like when you when you join a team as like prolific as the Catholic Church, it's easy to be like, "Oh, what's the controversial issue? Oh, abortion or capital punishment or gun control? What does our team, what does the group think of our team about that?" And then you can someone can just say, "Oh, the, the Catholic position on on abortion is this." Ba 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 ba, and then go, "Okay, great, like that's solved." So it's like you know whatever your team thinks, it's almost like you don't have to do much thinking. You you can go back to worrying about feeding your kids and doing your job and dealing with disappointment and going to the doctor and the dentist and all that shit instead of having to sit down and like be, think through issues. You know what I mean? 
I think that's a lot a large reason that people identify so intensely with Democrat, Republican, atheist, uh, Catholic, because they get to be on a team and have a lot of the tough questions of life answered for them. Well, people want to be on in a community because they feel safer that way. Nobody wants to be on their own. So we're going to do that as human beings. We're going to try to find the people that are our communities. Right. And death, of course, is super scary and unknown. And so you're going to look for that, for the answers in that in religion, um, because those are comforting answers. Now, how somebody could embrace Catholicism when the church is a criminal organization that has covered up mass pedophilia and abuse for the last hundreds of years is oh, it's been beyond, is beyond yeah. me. Yeah, I like, agree. Like, if you want to believe in Jesus and you want to believe in that whole thing, there's plenty uh, of factions of that to choose from. Why choose Catholicism when it is a fucking corrupt criminal organization that sh- and that should be shut down it should be shut down today well i know that um, well the last pope and, i mean and the, they're the, they're still fucking shit up because they've done this thing where they've made statute of limitations like this thing where you can't prosecute um child abusers whether they were in the church or not in the church uh you know, when you're an adult, when you finally, as an adult, finally go, oh, yeah, I was abused like 25 years ago by this guy. And you're finally figuring it out and finally have the adult, you know, fortitude or whatever to fucking report it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we can't do anything, even though we know who the guy is, even though we know he's a pedophile, because the Catholic Church has hired all these lawyers to make sure that there is these statute of limitations. So we can't fucking prosecute the fucking Catholic Church and fucking take all their money away. Right. And they have deep pockets, largely deeper than the victims. And so they just basically hold that over their head. And the people at the top who review those sorts of cases, they end up just moving these guys to other parishes where they are likely to do the same thing to a whole new crop of children. And it just absolutely destroys lives, like destroys the life of the victim, destroys right. the, li- the life of the victim's family and the, the community. It just, it just literally destroys life. It's insane. So, by the way, if you're a fan of the church or have views about abortion or gun control, you can email us at bobandclint at gmail.com. And we will be glad to answer your questions. All right. This email is from Brian Ward, who I recognize as a, he's a fan of my Metallica podcast. He says, hey, Clinton, Bob, uh, Clinton, I've had talks before stemming from his other podcast. Just finished episode five. Loved hearing the oldest, youngest man on episode four. I know a little of Clint's music will taste and influence, but could you guys talk about music that you, that causes you to emote, whether it's happy, sad, angry, what's your go-to when you want to dive deep into your emotions? Thanks guys. Brian Ward. I know the answer to this question. For yourself, I hope so. I have two songs that make me cry every time. One is There's a Life That Never Ends by The Smiths. Uh, I think that's the title of it. And then the other one is Fairy Tale of New York by The Pogues. Nice. I don't, I'm not familiar with either of those songs. Well, they're both great. And they both make me cry because they're both about love. Uh, Fairy Tale of New York is about a guy who's in a drunk tank in on Christmas Eve. Oh, I have heard that song. The the Pogues the famous Pogues Christmas song. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And he's 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 reminiscing about his girl who who's and then she comes in later in the song and they start doing this duet where you can tell that they have this contemptuous relationship, but they kind of love each other at the same time. And it's just a beautiful song. 
And it just kind of, rem- I, I relate to it because Christmas at our house was always a big dramatic thing because there was a lot of drinking going on. Right. And then the other song, There's a Light That Goes On Forever, is this guy who's riding around in, in a car with this other guy. I guess it's a dude. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. But he's in love with the person. And uh, and he's like, uh, yeah, if I died here driving around with you tonight, that's fine. Because I'm really happy and I feel at peace for once in my fucking life where I'm normally have all this. Are you talking about the song that joke isn't funny anymore? No, I'm talking about there's a light that never ends. Well, there's a song called that joke isn't funny anymore about and he talks about dying in a car. And well, he's got the, a lot of songs about dying in a car. This is just one of them. <laughs> Including the, the hit song, Dying in a Car. Uh, my two, to stick with your two-song thing, one of them I'll say, and that I know that you know this song and like it, but we came to it independently, but one is a song that you turned me on to. So the first song is a song off Tom Waits' Mule Variations called Take It With Me. And uh, you're familiar with that song? It's a deep cut off Mule Variations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's just basically talking about he's kind of reminiscing on his life in New York, and he's talking about what you can take with you when you go, and it boils down to love and the feelings that you have for this oh, woman or this song. place. Yeah, yeah. Or um, I'm gonna take you with me when I go. Great, great song. And there's a town, and in that town there's, there's a house, house, and in, in that, that house there's a woman, and in that, and in that woman there's a heart I love. I'm going to take, take it with, with me when I go. go. Yeah, it makes me cry. I when This is back when I was touring in a van and I had my entire, like, remember when they made iPods, you could put like a million songs on them? Well, I did that, had my whole collection on there, and I was driving the van, everyone was asleep, and I just had it on, the whole thing on shuffle. And that song came up, I'd never heard it before, and I'm just up there crying in the van um, and masturbating. The second song is... You and I on the bus used to do a thing where, I don't know if you remember this, where we would each play for each other a song. And it was like, you put the headphones on, no talking, I play you one of my favorite songs, you play me one of your favorite songs. You remember when we used to do that? Well, I remember we did it and nobody ever liked the other person's songs. No, I liked the songs you played, you didn't like the songs I played. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Which is fine, I was going through a big Ryan Adams thing. but. Well, and the other thing too is that you hadn't really started writing songs in earnest at that point, and I think now you've written hundreds of songs since then, and I have a feeling you probably wouldn't play me the same songs now that you played me back then. No, but, th- th- yeah, I wouldn't, but that, that I don't know how much has much to do with my personal writing. You just, you just mature and grow and learn. And You played me a song called In Germany Before the War by Randy Newman, which is on his record Little Criminals, and that's a, a mysterious, dark song. It's not uplifting. I think, I think it's about someone who hurts people but that song is real emotional i think think it's about a child killer right it's what it sounds like but just the movement and he doesn't really say any he doesn't say i'm a child killer it's a really mysterious vague song but it has this like crazy atmosphere to it it's just piano and strings and his voice and uh that's a song that i find particularly moving that's definitely not a uh, got the top down summer feel good hit of the old summer. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the ocean, but I'm thinking of the sea. That's the chorus. Oh, I'm looking at yeah. the river, but I'm thinking of the sea. This, these are lyrics. In Germany before the war, there was a man who owned a store in 1934 in Dusseldorf. And every day at 5.09, he'd cross the park to the Rhine and he'd sit there by the shore. And then the chorus says, I'm looking at the river, but I'm thinking of the sea, which is 
and w- with the music underneath it, you're like, what the fuck is this going through this motherfucker's mind? And then the next verse is, a little girl has lost her way with hair of gold and eyes of gray reflected in his glasses as he watches her, a little girl has lost her way. And then he once again sings, I'm looking at the motherfucking river, but I'm thinking of the sea, thinking of the sea. And then the last verse, and by the way, the music underneath is real fucked up. It's haunting. It's it's discordant and it's minory. And then the last verse after we've learned all this, is we lie beneath the autumn sky, my little golden girl and I, and she lies very still. What the fuck? That shit's fucked up. (laughs) He's killed her. Good God. I mean, maybe. Maybe. He's either killed her or fucked her and she's still alive either way. It's real fucked up. They might, they might be in that love. That motherfucker writes some fucked up shit. He really does. He really, no doubt, does. God and, damn. It. And what I love about it is he never, he never does it like from a third person. He puts himself in the character. I'm thinking particularly yeah. of a song called Rednecks. And uh, he never winks at you. He never like puts, his, you know, does the tongue in cheek. He just does everything from the unreliable narrator um, angle. And he I lets just, he, I, yeah. he lets people kind of decide for themselves, and so he, some people get real offended by his music. But he's definitely in my top five. I mean, there it's him, Tom Waits, Paul Simon, and uh, I'm just gonna say the Beatles because that includes John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And, sure. Um, I don't know, maybe Pink Floyd, maybe or somebody like that. But he's he's it's him and Tom Waits neck and neck for first and second place, as far as I'm concerned, for what I like. All right, here's our last email. Okay. Which again, Bob and Clint at gmail.com. This is from Mike Stevenson. He says, Hey, Clinton, by default, Bob, I guess. My what? Qu- I don't know why he said it that way. I'm just reading it. Hmm. I think because I'm the one reading these. Oh, I get it. My question is related to the year 2000 Hanks and Hunt classic, Castaway. Near the end of the movie, Chuck, played by Tom <laughs> Hanks, returns from the island to find Kelly, played by Helen Hunt. <laughs> Does this guy actually talk that way? I, I think he's being funny because we're funny. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, Chuck returns to the island to find Kelly remarried and living in their former home with her new dentist husband and child. They chat for a bit and struggle to hold back emotions before eventually giving into a passionate kiss and embrace in the pouring rain. It appears for a moment that they'll speed off into the night together, but Kelly hesitates and Chuck agrees it's best they don't go through with it before escorting her back up the driveway. Would either of you have the requisite maturity and self-control to not have sex in that situation? After four, yeah. after four, this is a great question. After four long years of separation and grief, being reunited against ridiculous odds, based on what each had been through, I genuinely believe they'd earned an hour of consensual, unprotected intercourse. Dentist's husband, who doesn't necessarily have to step aside and accept their powerful love, would at least understand their need for that catharsis. Thanks, fellas. Keep podding and pile driving your respective partners. Mike in Minneapolis. Well, the pile driving days are sadly behind me, but. <laughs> Well, to the question at hand, now, that is obviously the the emotional crux of that entire film, is he finally gets home. Everyone's assumed he's dead, and his wife has remarried, astute of him to remember, a dentist, and um, they, she has this whole new life, and he can't just come in there and bulldoze that. She waited for him, she looked for him. What do you do? Well, if it's Helen Hunt, you just give her a kiss and move on. Because fuck it. 
All right, whatever. Uh, she's what if, not hot. Okay. But if it was Eva Mendes, yeah, you fuck her. Or at least you have her give her a blowjob. What if it's your wife, though? What if it's the woman you married? Huh? This is his former wife. Forget who the fucking actress is. It's the, it's the thought experiment. Mm. All right. I was trying to make a joke. Um, here, yeah, here, here's it's, what it's, I... It's, it's so horrible. All of it's so horrible. Here's what I All would, of it's so sad. Here's what I would... It is. No, you can't... You can't you, you're not going to... And here's the other thing. You can kind of be super sad and have sex when you're like maybe 20 or 22. No, sad sex is over when you... After you can't a be age. like a 40-year-old man or however old he's supposed to be when he reunites with her and be that sad and just all of a sudden be wanting to have sex. No, you're well, sad. I it's th- horrible. It's it, heartbreaking, right. all of it. And I don't think any of that was about him wanting to fuck her. I think, I mean, I'm tempted to say what I would do is be like, this is my wife, bitch. We're getting back together. I didn't die. Well, it's it's. But then you have to live got, with that. Well, I know. She's I got know. kids. So when you got kids, that's the thing. That's the trump card. It's not the right. dentist. She didn't give a fuck. I mean... At that point, she didn't give a fuck about the dentist. No, she definitely. She does just not cares care about, about the like she's got these kids with the dentist, and and nobody's gonna love the kids like the dentist father. And she obviously uh, fell in love with this guy, despite the fact that he's a dentist. <laughs> but you know what they I, did? I apologize to all the dentists out there who are listening. But you, um, but you know what they did that they they couldn't just leave it on that bleak number. Remember because. People would just leave the theater and kill and drive into a dentist's office and kill themselves. But right. what they did was remember the thing that saved his life. He got right. that package with the wings on it. Right. He ends up then, finding the chick who made that. Right. And I guess they live happily ever after, or they fly well, to he, or whatever. He drops it off and then and then leaves, and he, then she's coming up the driveway, and he and he meets her, and then well, he's at like a real crossroads. He's at a literal he's at a crossroads. crossroads, right? And then she drives back to her house, and then you're like, well, is he going to drive back to her house and rape and kill her and eat her, or is he going to move forward and rape and kill and eat other people? I think I think when you consider the fact that his best friend for the last because he is insane what, at that right, point. He's, his, been, his he's best, been talking to a volleyball. Uh, for 20 I was going to say his best friend was a volleyball. Yeah. And when 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 Wilson floated away, that's actually one of the only times I've cried in a movie theater. Is when Wilson he wakes up of a sunstroke, and Wilson has started to float away, and he's screaming to Wilson, "I'm so sorry, Wilson, right. come back. I'm so sorry." I right. cry. I cried during that. I don't. Re- yeah, I don't know if Wilson. I cr- maybe I cried. Yeah, I'm no, sure no, I rem- you did. I remember it. I'm I, sure you did. I don't know. You maybe gotten a little the wet eye. Wet eye vibe. I cry all the time. Mm. That's what I'm uh, saying. So you definitely cried at the vault that when Wilson left. That fucking a beautiful that a beautiful boy movie that came out this year. Uh, I cried a lot. Hey baby, what's up? During that movie, I'm talking to my friend Bob. Do you want to say hi? Say hi, Bob. You are hi. Shy, I know. Hey, do you need something, babe? All right. All right, well, we're out of time anyway, so... Okay, good. Well, you can email us at bobandclint at gmail.com. Go check out my uh, Metallica podcast. It's called Metal Up Your Podcast. Go check out Bob's podcast called Bob, Bob Schneider's Song Club. Leave us the review. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog that you really like this podcast. Your dog, honey, we make it for dogs. I like this podcast, little doggy. So you should check it out too, and tell your other doggy friends about it. And then maybe you and your doggy friends can have a little party and listen to the 
I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay, you little dog, you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye. I feel like I finally got that accent right on the last line. Now I'm ready to do a whole podcast with just that little accent there. Oh, yeah, you little cute little dog, you. All right, we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.